grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the holidays are upon us, right? We're kind of in the middle of it now. We, we got through a Thanksgiving and Advent begins today, and Christmas is on the horizon, and as we sing and as we say, it's the most wonderful time of the year, right? I won't sing it. I won't, I won't do that to you, but uh, you know the song I'm talking about. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And perhaps at this most wonderful time of the year, you have a sort of Norman Rockwell image of the holidays. You've seen this picture before, right here? I know there's been a lot of fun parodies on this whole picture here, but you got the turkey, you've got the family gathered around, everyone's smiling, everyone is together, perfect unity and a perfect either Thanksgiving or Christmas meal. There's no arguing over politics in this picture. No one is upset that there are no gluten-free options. Uh, There exists no tensions in this family, and this family is nuclear. It's an image of a perfect economic and family bliss, a perfect sentimental holiday picture. Now, the sentimentality of images like these, on the one hand, is, it's really kind of innocent, and it's okay, and they're fun, and it's kind of cool to look at. But on the other hand, images like these can actually be dangerous, It can be dangerous if we go beyond the sentimental to the ideal. And actually, Norman Rockwell's uh, painting here, this picture was actually based on FDR's For Freedom speech. And it was a picture of one of the ideals. It was called Freedom from Want, representing freedom from want. And this picture was meant to portray not life as it actually is, but as an ideal that society should work toward. But the problem with ideals is that ideals can often become idols. The ideal job, the ideal relationship, the ideal spouse, ideal children, the ideal boss, the ideal home, the ideal holiday, and so many more ideals, we can easily turn those ideals into idols. We can become so enamored with the ideal that we despise the reality of the God-given present that we live in. Now, on the one hand, there's good side to ideals, okay, right? The desire to improve is good. The desire to be prepared is good. The desire to have a preferred vision of the future, there's some good stuff in there. Those things are good. But sometimes that sort of aspiration toward the ideal, it can change and it can turn and we can distort it into envy and perfectionism. And that's the problem when idealized pictures and expectations, whether it's Norman Rockwell or it's the commercial advertisers out there or it's our own imaginations or some sort of narrative that the society is putting out, these ideals and these expectations, they can lead us to see that what we have right now and that who we are right now and the situations that we're in right now, we can oftentimes then look at them as insufficient, unworthy, and unimportant and unlovable. Sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances that do not look like the Norman Rockwell ideal we had for our lives. And when we find ourselves in that sort of state, we wonder. We wonder if we can actually thrive, actually exist, actually find joy, 
in the circumstances, the real circumstances that we're living in right now. Maybe it's a rocky marriage. Maybe it's a goal you had for your life and you have been unable to achieve it. Maybe it's the first holiday you've had without your loved one. Maybe it's cancer or a disease or some sort of sickness that's rearing its ugly head. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's a job change. Maybe it's a financial situation. Maybe it's a political climate or an injustice or there's just an uneasiness within your soul. And you sort of pictured it differently. You want God to come down. You want him to come down and fix the situation, to come and fix the person, to fix the problem, to fix the mess. And if that's you, uh, you're not alone. Uh, 2,700 years ago, think about that. 2,700 years ago, Isaiah the prophet. It was a prophet in Judah where Jerusalem was. And he prophesied about the coming of the Babylonians, that we're going to come 100 years later and take God's people away from Jerusalem, from Judah, take them into exile in this place called Babylon. And in Isaiah 64, Isaiah the prophet, he prophesies in the form of a prayer, a prayer of that God's people being exiled. They've been forced to leave their home, to walk 900 miles. It would have taken them four months living in exile, living in less than ideal circumstances. And they cry out to God. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, they say, oh God, that you would rend the heavens that you would tear the heavens apart and that you would come down so that the mountains would tremble before you. What Isaiah is talking about there, trembling before you, they're remembering back, remembering back to the mountains that trembled before God at Mount Sinai. You see, God's people in Isaiah, they're, they're in exile there because they had done some terrible things. They had done evil things. It was the consequence of their actions. And they realized that they had done wrong, and they're crying out for help. They realized that they were not living in a Norman Rockwell picture. They're remembering back to that ideal, to that picture of Mount Sinai. They were remembering to a bygone era. They remembered back to the Exodus when God came in and rescued them from Pharaoh and the Egyptians and slavery. They remembered when God gave them the promised land and they had King David and they had victory over the nations. They're crying out in verse 2 of Isaiah as when, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. They're crying out to God, God, come down. And make your name known to your enemies. Cause the nations to quake before you. Verse 3, they continue on. For when you, God, when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down. And the mountains trembled before you. God's people wanted him to come down. They wanted him to come down and give them an ideal an ideal that they longed for in the way that they longed for it and as they remembered him acting in the past. And you see, a lot of times we have ideals, right? We have ideals for the way life should be, the way our life should be, and the way God should be, and the way God should act in our lives. And I get it. It's real and it's hard. I've prayed and talked with a lot of people in the past few months, a lot of people who are are living in less than ideal situations and circumstances in their lives. 
I've talked to a lot of people who view themselves as less than ideal. And in the midst of all those conversations, I can see myself in the middle of it as well. I know it. I get it. Just the other day, I was praying, dear God, dear God, rend the heavens. Rend the heavens and come down, dear God, and heal my dear friend from cancer. You've done it before, God. Why don't you come down and do it now? Come down. We all have situations like that in our lives that we want him to come down. Fix it like he's done it before. And in many ways, that's a good place to start. I mean, three times there in those verses in Isaiah, it talks about God coming down. And that's the first thing we got to get right in our minds as God's people. We live in a ladder-climbing society, right? you got to climb that ladder of success. you got to get to the top. In order to get ahead, you got to take one rung at a time. you got to achieve it. you got to go for it. you got to build on it. It's up to you. The problem is you try that sort of noise with God, and it gets you nowhere. You can't climb your way to God. God has got to come down. And eventually in Isaiah, the people of God, they got it. We read it this at the beginning of the service, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. First half of that verse, they say, all of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts, even those good deeds we do are like filthy rags. We get it. We've been at church for a while. We got it. God's got to come to us. But sometimes we want him to come to us on our terms. Maybe it's the way he's come to us before. We want him to live up to our ideals. We want him to bring us a Norman Rockwell Christmas. God's people that were in exile, they cried out. They said, rend the heavens, God. Tear up those heavens and come down. They wanted God to come down in power, in strength, in deliverance, in force, and might. They wanted him to come down Norman Rockwell style. Their ideal. But 700 years after that prophecy in Isaiah, God answered their prayer in his time, in his way, and he tore open the heavens, and he came down, just not the way they expected. Now, I know it's Advent, right? And Advent's kind of, you know, you've got to wait for Christmas, but come on, right? There's Christmas all around us. I got my tree up in my house, which was a miracle, believe it or not. We can wait for Christmas and we can celebrate it at the same time. Advent was never meant for us to dictate when we can put up our tree or if we can sing a Christmas carol now or we got to wait till Christmas Eve. Advent was meant for us to think about waiting and yearning for God to come down in his time, in his way, into our lives right now. So we're going to check out Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, there's this really big genealogy at the beginning. It's awesome, by the way. You should study it sometime. But in Matthew chapter 1, we see another believer that is living in the tension of less than ideal circumstances. And yet God comes down. Matthew chapter 1, verse 17 says this. says, Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, and then 14 generations from David to the exile to Babylon. That's the Isaiah text the people of God in exile, and then there was 14 generations from that exile in Babylon to the coming of the Messiah. Verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. 
His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm pretty sure that Joseph's ideal and the ideal present and the ideal future, the, the Norman Rockwell image that he had of his life was that he would live, he would marry Mary, they would have kids, they would live out a prosperous life, he would be a faithful follower of God. Nowhere in his mind did he have some crazy story about his fiance getting pregnant through the Holy Spirit, and now he was forced to divorce her, and then he was forced to figure out how is he going to do that? Was he going to have her stoned and killed, make a public disgrace of her? Would he do it quietly? In verse 19, we see, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a godly man. He acted with grace, and he went forward in a less-than-ideal situation. And it's right at that moment that we could see Joseph's Norman Rockwell ideal for his life shattered to pieces. And that's why the ideals that we have that are based on our imaginations, they always leave us wanting. God came down to Joseph in a surprising and shocking way. Verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded, and he took Mary home as his wife. And what I love about that very first advent is that that prayer that we see in Isaiah 14 generations before is answered 14 generations later in a poor peasant girl with her carpenter fiance who were living in less than ideal circumstances. God came down to them in a dream, in a vision to Mary and to Joseph. Joseph, who was a worried husband about to divorce his wife-to-be, God came down. O come, O come, Emmanuel, King of heaven, come down. Come thou long expected Jesus, and God came down in a lowly manger. He came down to Joseph. He came down to Mary. He came down to all humanity, past, present, and future, in the midst of less than ideal circumstances. He wasn't born into a Norman Rockwell idealism. He didn't wait for us to get it all together. He came to us. Just as we are, imperfect, broken, less than ideal, living messy lives. And the message of Advent and Christmas is that the God that we are waiting for, waiting to come into our lives, here's the beautiful part about it. We've got to pause right there on it. That God comes to us just as we are right now, this very moment. Not as the person that we're trying to be. Not as the person that we've promised that we're going to become. Not as the person that we so badly want to be or even the person that we portray to each other. 
But God comes to us, the people that we are. He comes down to you. He comes down to me. He comes down to every one of us just as we are, the people that we are, the families that we are, the congregation that we are. And I think it's important for us to just sit in that reality, to press the pause button and let that wash all over us this Advent, this Christmas season. Is there room for us to improve our lives? Yes. Improve our marriages? Yes. Improve our families? Yes. Improve our congregation? Yes. But we're never going to improve unless we start there with that powerful blessing of knowing that who we are, right at this very moment, we are loved by God and he comes down to us right now. I hope that this Advent, that the very radical fact that just as God surprised Joseph and Mary and all of humanity by coming down to us in less than ideal circumstances, coming down to us in the vulnerability, and we have the image of the manger, the vulnerability of the manger and the cross, that we might be open. We might be open to embracing our less than ideal lives and trusting that God can come down into the midst of them in ways that we could never expect. And not only that he might come down to us, but he might come down to others through our lives. An Advent gift that was given to me many years ago was the knowledge of something called the Advent Conspiracy. Does anybody know about the Advent Conspiracy? Look it up on the internet. Basically, the Advent Conspiracy talks about how are we going to prepare for Christmas And they focus on four things. Worship fully, which is what we're doing right now. Spend less. Give more. Give more of your presence than give actual presence. And love all. Worship fully. Spend less. Give more. Love all. And I'm telling you, I saw that conspiracy alive and well yesterday at Project 23. You heard Nathan talk about it. And instead of Norman Rockwell... I think that these sort of images are better. We served over 650 people who were in need yesterday. We gave over 8,000 pounds of food away. These aren't your Norman Rockwell pictures. They are much more beautiful. They're beautiful because they are God coming down through his people and to his people. Because God came down in the vulnerability of the manger and the scandal of the cross. And so this Advent, this Christmas, we pray, King of heaven, come down to us, we pray.